If you have a Bible, uh, please turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 9 to 20. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, don't worry. The verses are going to come up on the screens here beside me. And I'm going to invite Talene back up. She's going to read this for us. So it's Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 20. After that, I'll pray, and then we're going to look into this together. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Thanks very much, Talene. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can gather here, uh, God, in this just incredible new building in our city. God, thank you for the freedom that we have to even gather here. God, we, we recognize that there are many followers of Jesus around the world, that the idea of meeting in, in such a public space in the heart of their city would, be, uh, would feel like a very foreign concept, at least to do it in a safe way, at least to do it in a way where there wasn't intense persecution and God, we thank you that, that we have this privilege here. This isn't something that we deserve. We've, we've done something right here in Canada as Christians, those of us that are Christians. We've done something right, so we deserve this. God, this is, this is a gift of grace from you. God, everything good that we have from you is a gift from you. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would be here with us this morning, uh, that you'd be moving among us, God, that we would know the power of God among us this morning. God, I, I pray that each of us this morning would be changed by the truth that is found in your word. God, thank you that you're a God who has chosen to speak to us, that you love to continue to speak to us. You, you've, you've not just suddenly gone silent. You've not suddenly just gone super distant, but you're a God who is close. You're a loving father who loves to speak to his children. And, for those that are not his children, loves to welcome new children into his family. God, thank you that this is who you are. We just want to give, just at the onset of this year, we just want to give you all the glory. We say that this is all for you. King Jesus, this is all for you. Holy Spirit, we so need your help. This is all for you. We love you. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are. It's, it's the beginning of, of another year. I'm going to do this thing, which can kind of get a bit annoying, but it's the beginning of another year, right? 
It's the beginning of September, it's Labor Day week, and many of us treat uh, this time of year as, as the stepping into another year. And those of us that would call Ottawa home know that that's certainly the type of rhythm that, that our city kind of goes in. Many of you work in politics or in the civil service. You've just enjoyed August. You've, enjo- you've enjoyed government hours in August, which I'm, I, Ottawa will be home for me for three years this coming November, and I'm, I'm learning how government works in this town, but even how things work in August, where, where things in many cases, not in every case, but they go really, really chill, really, really relaxed. And the reason for that is because after this weekend, in many cases, or certainly when the House starts sitting again in a couple of weeks, things go crazy. And it gets really, really intense, and it gets really, really busy. So for many people in our city, this time of the year marks the beginning of a new year. Students in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you think of January 1st in one sense as the beginning of a new year, but you also really think of the beginning of September as the beginning of a new year. And we've already talked about how that would apply to us as a church here as well. Well, as you know, on January 1st, you know, you get texts from people, people are sharing on social media. Lots of people are setting out their priorities for the year ahead. You know, lots of people are making their New Year's resolutions. Lots of people are talking about things that they want out of the next year. And I want to ask you, this Labor Day weekend, at the beginning of this new other type of year, what is it that you want out of this next year? What are some things that you are hoping for? over this next stretch, over this next 12 months, or if it's the academic year, over the next kind of eight or nine months? What are some things that you are hoping for over this next year? I suspect if we were to go around the room, some of the answers we would share in common. A lot of us, I suspect, would say that we want to make, we want to make wise decisions over this next year. We want to be wise in, in, in different decisions that are kind of laying ahead of us, whether it's in regard, regards to studies or family or career and profession. We want to make the right move. We want to get it right. We want to make the right call. There may be some other things as well. We might say that we want to be successful this year, and Christians can use another word of this, fruitful. We want to be fruitful this year. We want, this year we want to be doing things that are going to be contributing, contributing to our, our, our life kind of master plan or contributing to the good and the welfare of our city or of our family or things like that. We want to have a fruitful year, a successful year that way, a year where we're stepping forward and not stepping backwards. We might say that as well, or it might be uh, that we would have strength this year. Maybe the past year in many ways has been hard. Maybe over the past year you have felt particularly weak because of something that you've done or something that has happened to you or whatever the example may be, and you want this next year to be a year where you feel strong. You're tired of feeling weak. You're tired of feeling maybe like people are walking over you or using you or something like that, and you don't want to be that person anymore. You want to know strength over this next year. And I could go on and on in a lot of these different examples, but I want to encourage you, if you want a number of these things, I want to encourage you because these are the very same things that Paul prays for the church in Colossae. That's a region that's about, a, it's, it's, it's roughly 100 miles or so east of Ephesus. Some of you will have heard of Ephesus and Paul's letter to the Ephesians and what is now modern-day Turkey, and he's writing a letter to a church there, and in the verses that Talene just read to us, he talks about the prayer that he has for them. And as we look at that prayer, those are different words that we read about wisdom and understanding and and fruitfulness and strength. So if we boil it down to their kind of core essence, if these are things that you want, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I would actually say if these are things that you want in their right context, 
And of course, any of these things can be used and, and, you know, in, in abusive ways. But in the right context, wanting these things is a good thing. I want to affirm that in you this morning. But like every January 1st, and kind of as, as, as we set our New Year resolutions, and the days go along, it's usually not that far into the new year, whether it be January or September, until we realize that it's a lot easier to hope for things than it is to achieve them. It's a lot easier to say, well, these are all the things that I want out of the next year than it is to actually accomplish those things. Now, within that, there's a question. How is it that we think that we can actually be fruitful? How is it that we think that we can actually be wise? How is it that we think that we can actually be strong? Well, in our own culture, and those of you that are familiar with Ottawa, we love this city dearly, but this is a hard-working city. And it can be very easy being in Ottawa, and it's not just exclusive to Ottawa, it's something that would be relevant to much of Western culture. We grow up with this idea of if there's something that we want to achieve, all we need to do is what? All we need to do is work for it. All we need to do is set our minds to it. I remember being told that as a child. You can be anything you want to be as long as you set your mind to it. As long as you work hard. Anything you want to be, you can be. You can achieve if you work hard enough for it. If you set your mind to it. I want to tell you a little bit about my four-year-old and, uh, daughter and my two-year-old son's prayer life right now. My four-year-old daughter, every night, Zara, is there anything that you want to pray for before you go to sleep? Yes. Okay, why don't you pray? Jesus, please turn me into Ariel. Now, some of you are familiar with The Little Mermaid, <laughs> all right? She is obsessed with The Little Mermaid right now. Joshua, her, two, her two-year-old brother, her two-year-old son, not so much Ariel, not so much Little Mermaid. For him, it's a Netflix show called PJ Masks, and there's a character on that called Catboy. Joshua, is there anything that you want to pray for? Jesus, that you would turn me into Catboy. So we're having to unpack this with them a little bit, because we know that some of the things that we really hope for, even if we really set our minds to them, we don't always achieve them. Like, can we be, you know, the kids are out of the room, can we be adults about this for a minute? Like, can we recognize that that line of, like, anything you set your mind to, young one, anything you set your mind to, just work hard enough and you can achieve it. It's not true. It's just not true. And around the room, we've got different stories of this, don't we? Some of us are carrying huge disappointments because we've done it. We've followed the rule book. We've believed it. We've worked hard. We've set our minds to it. But something in life has thrown a curveball, and that thing that we were so set on achieving, and they, oh, well, they said if I just work hard, it didn't come through. Pain, disappointment, hurt that often flows from that. It's interesting because what Paul does in this letter and in the verses that we're looking at this morning, he doesn't land it in that. He doesn't land it after this prayer that he's sharing with the church in Colossae, saying, this is what I've been praying for you. This is my, this is my heart for you. And this is now how you will achieve it if you just work hard enough, if you just set your mind to it. Because, again, that's so prevalent in our culture. That's just the way that we operate. It's the way that we operate here in Ottawa. And some, some uh, find it interesting when I talk to students about this, even over the past couple of years, many walk, come into Ottawa with, with, with ideals. And, guys, I, like, I, I've done a couple degrees myself. I know what it is to come in as a student that way, thinking, well, this is what I'm going to do. These are the courses I'm going to take. This is going to be the degree. This is going to be the placement. This is going to be the job. All of these things. And, and, and with this, this, this kind of grand vision of what it's going to look like. But then when the disappointment comes, with this thing of like, man, actually, the, sometimes a workplace can be full of bickering. It can be petty. 
it's not always the most qualified person who gets the promotion. Sometimes it's the, it's the person who, for whatever reason, is the closest to the person making the decision that gets the promotion, not always for the best of reasons. And all these other examples. We can think of it this way. It's just, well, I've just, well, just got to work. I've just got to prove myself. Work, 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 work. It's like that Rihanna song. Work, 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 right? I'd be work, 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 which makes no sense grammatically, but still, that's what she says. And this can flow into our thinking. But the Bible is so countercultural to our understanding of this. What the Bible says and what Paul, the Apostle Paul, is saying in these verses is so countercultural to this. When he prays for the church and when he says how they are going to achieve it, it's not work, 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 work. It's not strive, strive, strive. Let's look together at what he says. What does he say here in verse 9? He says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that what? That you may be filled. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What a difference. How is it that we achieve these things? How is it that we achieve these things that we want? Strength and fruitfulness and wisdom and understanding all of these things. Our culture says work, work, work. Study, study, study. Strive, strive, strive. And friends, I'm telling you, it's not wrong to work. Working is godly. Working is a good thing to do. If we're able to work, it is a good thing to do to work. But when it comes to our salvation, work, 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 work is not a good thing to do. Because it convinces us that it depends on us. Our culture says work, 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 work. Scripture says be filled. It says this is not a work that you do. This is a work that God does in you. And nothing could be more countercultural. What grace, this being filled by God, being filled with spiritual wisdom, with spiritual understanding. What's he talking about there? It's something that the Holy Spirit does in us, a filling of the Holy Spirit. We We could do many different series on that. But the point is this, this is something that God does in us. Some of you in this room, you've you've been Christians for a long time, but you know what I'm talking about with this striving. And it's just so hard. Oh, the pastor called and he's asking if I can volunteer in this year. I better say yes, because my my salvation in some way depends on it. Or I'm going out with friends and there's this thing that they want to go do. I better better declare this position or else God isn't going to be happy with me. I better do this, I better do that to earn my way, to earn my keep. It's not that doing all those things are wrong, but we can often do them for the wrong reasons. Scripture says you want to know the power of God in your life, you want to know spiritual wisdom and understanding and true fruitfulness and all these things that Paul prays for this church. How do you achieve it? You achieve it by being filled by God. What a glorious thing, what a glorious invitation available to us here this morning. So this brings us to another question. Why is it that God does these things? Why is it that God wants this good for us? If you're to go to the big uh, bookshop just a couple blocks from here and you look at the, the books that are sold in the religion section, or if you go to Amazon and kind of do the same thing, you'll find a lot of books, you'll find a lot out there, even within Christian culture, that will lead you to think that you and that I are at the very center of God's will. We are at the very center of God's heart, that every single one of his thoughts all end in us, 
that we are the pinnacle, that we are the greatest thing ever. And this is really just about be, being, you know, fulfilling your destiny and being all that you can be. Because this is really all about you. And this is really, really all about me. Friends, this thing is, it's not true. <laughs> it's not all about us. It's not all about our glory. It's not that every thought that God has is just about us. It's about Jesus. And I'm going to come on to that. Some of you are going, this sounds really foreign to everything that I've kind of always heard. Maybe I've even offended you a little bit. Keep listening, okay? I'm not done yet. But I want you to see this in the right ordering. We must see this through the Son. We must see this through Jesus Christ, which is what this very text is driving towards. What is it that Paul says that this, who is it that Paul says that this is all for? Where does this all land? He doesn't say, I'm praying for all these things for you so that you'll be the greatest people ever, you'll be the greatest church ever, and it will all be about you, and people will study you for all of history, and I'm going to say this about you and that about you, and all of these things. No, that's not where he goes. He actually goes in a different place. He actually ends up talking about one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. In fact, what Paul ends up doing is he ends up worshiping. I mean, it's incredible as you're reading this. As you're going through this, he talks about this prayer. And as he's moving along, he then gets to verse, what we have now is verse 15, and he just, he just starts worshiping. In fact, some scholars think that these verses, starting at verse 15, that he's actually kind of writing down a song that was sung in the early church. We don't know for certain. But the point is this, is Paul just breaks out in worship. He breaks out in worship. He, this Jesus, Jesus Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And Paul keeps going and going and going. And he's saying, these things, these things that I've been praying for you, these things that I want for you, it's not ultimately about your glory. It's not ultimately about my glory. It is ultimately about the glory of Jesus Christ and of him alone. And friends, at the very beginning of, the, of, this, of this new year, there I go again, I want to remind us of that, that this church exists for the glory of Jesus Christ and of Jesus Christ alone. It does not exist for the profile of Grace City Church, for the profile of Rich Crosby, of Matt, of Toline, of any volunteer serving in this church, of anybody in this room. This is not about your glory. and It never will be in this church. This church exists for the glory of Jesus Christ because I cannot be described like this and you can't be described like this, but Jesus can be. He is our hope. He is our foundation. He is the one that we, as best we can, knowing the grace of God when we get it wrong, God, thank you for that grace. I so get it wrong. But he is the one that we need to be pointing people towards. It's him. It's Jesus I don't know how many of you uh, have noticed this, if you have a Bible, but uh, the publishers of our Bibles, they, they've, they put these headings in, you know, kind of going throughout it. So at the beginning of Colossians, we see the beginning of verse 3 in many of the Bibles that will be around this room. It'll say Thanksgiving and prayer or something like that, depending on your translation. And on this one, at the beginning of verse 15, it says the preeminence of Christ. And I want to read these verses in full for us right now. And I want you to think about how hard of a job it must be for the person in the publishing company when you read these verses to come up with a few words that actually summarize what Paul is saying here. Like, I would not want to be that intern. Like, go away with these verses and figure out the heading that we can put at the beginning of this. Let's hear it again, but I'm going to read this in full now. He is the image of the invisible God. 
the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In turn, heading, the preeminence of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Preeminent. Preeminent. Above all things. Glorious. The best. Nobody compares to him. Nobody can touch him. There is no one who is like this Jesus. All-knowing. All-powerful. All full of grace. All full of mercy. Preeminent. Above all things. Church, my question to you this morning is, is this the Jesus you worship? And it's a trick question because the answer is yes. This is the Jesus that we worship. But some of us hear that question and we struggle because in our own lives we're thinking, that's not, that doesn't seem to be the Jesus that I have an experience of. Is he really above all things? He doesn't seem to be above this relationship, this loss, this physical pain, disease, hurt. Friends, When, over this next year, we are faced with moments like that, real-life moments, we're not the type that are going to come and and say, come to Jesus and everything in life just gets super rosy. We believe that this book actually teaches something very different, that there's sacrifice, that there's cost in following Jesus. But there's also just hardship in life. The effect of living in a world where people declare themselves as God, and you know what, in our own ways, each of us do that. There's pain, there's suffering involved in that. We can sometimes feel like Jesus is not preeminent over these things. My encouragement to us is actually to get our Bibles out or get online if you don't have a Bible. Let us know. We'll buy you one. It'll be a joy. Read these verses. Read about this Jesus. What is it that you're walking this morning? What's the situation this year? What, you know what? You're hearing me go on. A new year, exciting, new start, blah, blah, blah. Some of you, you're thinking in the next few months and you're like, oh, God, please, if you're even there, help. How do I even get through the, like, I don't even know how to navigate this this situation, this thing that's going on. Friends, again, you're you're in good company. Let's walk this together. But let's do it following this Jesus. Let's be built up in this truth. This is the Jesus that we worship. Whether we feel it or not, whether we think our experiences of this or not, this is who Jesus is preeminent, exalted above all things, all-powerful, and friends, so full of compassion and grace and mercy for you. Some of you are hearing about this powerful Christ, and there maybe is a feeling of like, ah, I don't know if I can approach him. Friends, you can. He's inviting you with open arms to approach him. He's made a way for you to have relationship with God this awesome God, this glorious God, all-powerful. Jesus has made a way for you to enter in as a son or as a daughter, loved by God, cherished by God. And then in these verses, that's where Paul lands, is how that is made possible 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. How? Making peace by the blood of his cross. That is our way in. Jesus, how do I, how do I know that your preeminence, your, 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 your strength, everything that you are above all things, how do I know that, that all that power, all that strength, all that beauty, all that glory is, is, is concerned with my good? How do I know that? Scripture says, look at the cross of Christ. That's how we know. That's how we know.